Well, today we're concluding our teaching series on this incredibly timely letter from the Apostle Peter. I hope that you've found the teachings from this book helpful. I mean, it's been timely and, and powerful in my life. It's, it's caused me to examine where I find my joy and my hope. It's caused me to consider if I am faithfully fanning the flame of God's glory in my life so that I can shine for others. And as I've studied the word this week, it's been another powerful word that's been timely and impacting to me. So I hope it is for you too. Now remember, this was a letter from Peter written to people who are seeking to follow Jesus, but were facing challenges and difficulties. So if you have difficulties and challenges, or if you anticipate that you will soon, this letter is for you. This passage is for you. Peter is calling us to be unshakable in the living hope that we have in Jesus as we live as exiles in a broken world. Now, the last paragraph of chapter 19 was written to a specific group of people. And then it transitions to a general instruction for all people. So let's look at verse 18 and see who this was specifically written to. Verse 18 says, Servants, be subject to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the unjust. During the time of this writing, a significant percentage of those in the Roman Empire would fall into this category of servants. They were household slaves, essentially, they worked in the household of another, maybe out in the fields or managing household households. Um, maybe they were caring for finances for the house. And some of the masters were good and kind, and some were cruel and unjust. Now, our societal system is different than that, but we get it. We can understand this and apply these principles. Some of us work for bosses or supervisors who are good and fair. It's easy to follow them, but some of us don't. Some find it a challenging, but the instructions are the same. Respect your bosses, do your job, regardless of their actions. They may cheat and lie and play favorites, but for followers of Jesus, the response towards our authority is not dependent on how they treat us. So how, how could this be true? How can we stay faithful when in, in our doing good when it results in suffering? That's the challenge Peter gives to us. First of all, he instructs all of us to find grace in our suffering. Listen to verse 19. He says, For this is a gracious thing, when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it if, when you sin or are beaten for it, you endure? But if, when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. Twice he uses the phrase, this is a gracious thing. What is a gracious thing? The action of faithfully doing good, despite how people treat you. That is being filled with grace. Now remember, this was written by Peter. 
Peter had spent three years with Jesus. He watched Jesus, how he lived. He listened to his teaching. He watched Jesus die. He witnessed his resurrection. Peter saw Jesus. And remember how Jesus was described by the Apostle John in, in John chapter 1? That Jesus came to his own and he was filled with grace and truth. Peter saw grace fill Jesus' life. He heard Jesus say in Luke chapter 6 that if you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? For even sinners do the same. But if you love your enemies and do good, expecting nothing in return, your reward will be great. So Peter says, as Jesus was filled with grace, as he suffered, though he did good, so you will find it a gracious thing. The Father loves to reward and strengthen those who live this way. You might not get your reward from your workplace, but God always rewards. His reward may not be immediate, but it's always greater than any price we would ever pay for doing what's right. Now, sometimes God does allow us to see his grace immediately in our suffering. Small examples from my life this past week. Um, I was talking to my brother. They had, they just purchased a home. Uh, mom's moving in with them. And it's a really good opportunity that they have. But right when they started this process, COVID hit their family. They live in Grand Rapids. And, um, and as soon as this process started, they all went into isolation. Couldn't go to work very interruptive to their life, as many of us have experienced. And yet they moved in this weekend and they say, you know, those two weeks of isolation, it enabled us to pack boxes and get our house ready to move. I can't imagine how we would ever be ready if, if we didn't have this time of difficulty. Another way God's grace is seen is our, in our suffering is when it's expressed through other people. I've been amazed at how kind and thoughtful people are uh, through this season to us. Some brought over Mucinex and bone broth at 11 o'clock at night because they knew we needed it. Another friend bought guinea pig food for our critters. I mean, this is God's grace through people in the midst of our difficulties. When we are suffering, we should look for God's grace in the midst of it. It's a gracious thing when it's time for us to suffer and when he is faithful in our life. You know, at times his grace is seen as, as people suffer and the world watches. I remember the biblical story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, three Hebrew men living as exiles in Babylon. The king commanded everyone to worship this golden idol that he had erected and whoever refused would be burned alive. Remember this story? Well, because these men boldly committed to worship only the one true God, they were sentenced to die. They were thrown into a burning furnace. But instead of being incinerated, they miraculously survived without a scratch. And most amazingly, a fourth man that looked like the Son of God was seen walking with them in the fire. The king removed them from the flames and, and he saw them and he saw the result and he fell on his face 
and declared their God is true. And even declared a new law that said no one could speak against the Hebrew God. The same thing happens all around the world today. When people see God's grace through his people who are suffering, many are drawn to him. This is a gracious thing when we remain faithful while suffering in doing good. So the question is, is this how we respond? When things don't go well for us, do we look for his grace in our time of difficulty? Peter then holds up the example of Jesus and says, number two, follow the good shepherd. Follow Jesus in your suffering. Verse 21 says this, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin. There was no deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. Not only did Jesus not deserve mistreatment, Jesus had the power to fight back. And yet instead, he trusted in his father. Jesus was called by Isaiah the suffering servant. And he's our perfect example for suffering well. He refused to sin. He refused to retaliate. He forgave instead of fight. And I, and I find it so interesting. Even the Apostle Paul takes Jesus and offers him as an example for how we live in the home. In Ephesians chapter, chapter 5, uh, he, he replies this reality to marriage. Have you found that it's in the home that we're most ready to react when we've been mistreated? I mean, the crazy cycle happens so frequently, it seems, in the home. that When someone speaks harshly to us, it just seems to justify us speaking harshly in return. And then back and forth it goes with me being mean, her being mean, and back and forth because it's justified. But Paul tells us, husbands, love your wives as Jesus loved the church and gave himself. That Jesus' example shows us the right way to respond when we are mistreated. So what's your, your response when you're mistreated at home? on the job, in the car, in the neighborhood. Let's follow the ways of Jesus. It's the best way to experience God's grace in the midst of our suffering. Thirdly, Peter calls us to focus on the overseer of our souls. Look at verse 24 with me. It says, He himself bore our sins in his own body on the tree, that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were straying like sheep, but have now returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. So here's Jesus entrusting himself to the Father, calling us to focus on the shepherd and overseer of our souls. When you're suffering, where is your focus? Is it on your own misfortune, your own rights being violated? 
Is it, does it focus on how unjust this is, this action towards you? Do you demand to know why this is happening? Well, Peter calls us to focus on the who. Who is holding us? Who truly rewards? Who is the shepherd of your soul? There is another Bible story that illustrates this so well. It's actually one of the longest stories in the Bible. It takes 13 chapters throughout the book of Genesis to tell the story of Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery by his brothers. But he didn't allow himself to become bitter or hateful or retaliate. He, he experienced the highs and the lows of the journey. He became a favored servant in various places. He became successful and then bad things happened. He was accused of, falsely accused of raping his master's wife, thrown into Pharaoh's prison, but eventually was able to interpret a dream from Pharaoh and subsequently was placed as second in command in the greatest world empire of the day. Through that position, he was able to spare thousands of people from a seven-year famine that would take place. And his foundational claim through it all was that what people intended for evil, God meant it for good. Joseph focused on the overseer of his soul, that God has a plan, God can be trusted, and he will hold me. What's your focus are you committed to following the example of Jesus? Do you refuse to compromise and in doing right regardless of the cost? Are you looking for God's grace in the midst of the difficulties that you're in? I'm telling you, this word is so timely. Our world is, 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 is horrendous at times. And some of you are facing it right now. Some of us are just on the verge of stepping into that season. Some of us have come out of it. But regardless, suffering happens to believers in Jesus. In this world, we will have tribulation. But we are not left without hope. We can hold on to an unshakable hope because Jesus is our living hope. Now, let's readily admit, we will probably never get this perfect in this life. But we can grow. In fact, I found this to be a wonderful barometer for my spiritual progress. If I am more faithfully following Jesus in my suffering, and I more quickly turn to him when I'm suffering... I see progress in my spiritual life. So how are you doing when life gets hard? Oh, we're going to have moments of questions and doubts. The, the Bible is filled with examples of people that came to God with their questions, but their conclusion was consistently, I will trust in him. So, in our suffering, look for his grace. It's there. Focus on your example, who is Jesus. Watch how he suffered and follow in his steps. 
and continue entrusting your heart and life to your shepherd and overseer of your soul. Let's pray. Father, I'm so thankful that your word hits home so often, Lord. Thank you that it's right and true and pure. I thank you, Lord, that our lives can change and grow and better because of your Holy Spirit in us. Father, I want to thank you for, for your son, Jesus, who is willing to suffer so that our sins can be forgiven. That he continued to look to his father, look to you. He entrusted himself to you, Lord. May that be our example as we have our times of difficulty. Bless your people. Lord, I love them. I miss them. I pray grace upon them. And Lord, may grace be seen in us as we follow you this week. We give you our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks again for being with us today. I hope you have a beautiful day. I hope you stay tuned to our Facebook page and in the email messages that will help you stay current and what's happening around Woodside. And I'd encourage you to reach out to one another. In fact, as our service ends now, how about texting or calling somebody right now and let them know that you were thinking of them. God bless you. Thanks for tuning in.